Larry Crabb used to say that when we run from the dark and painful places, when we ought to run to them, because it's there and probe the darkness until nothing will fix it except Jesus. And then Jesus comes. And that's my experience. And that's not just my experience. It's the experience of believers everywhere. We don't laugh because it's inappropriate. <laughs> we don't cry because men don't cry. So we end up playing this game and missing uh, the dance with God to which he has called us. Thanks for tuning in to the Reframing Ministries podcast, where we provide strength for today and hope for tomorrow for caregivers and their families. We'd love to hear how these episodes have helped you. Would you share your story in the review section of your preferred podcast app? Our team at Reframing Ministries loves to hear stories of hope and healing, and now we've played a small part in them. Now, here's Colleen. Welcome again to Reframing Ministries podcast. I'm Colleen Swindoll Thompson. So honored to have you here and to spend time with you to breathe hope and um, strength into where you are today. My guest today, Steve Brown, has a new book out called Laughter and Lament, A Radical Freedom of Joy and Sorrow. And I have to say, Steve, there are so many things in Scripture that seem like contradictions. In order to gain our life, we have to lose it. The meek will be strong. Um, the meek will inherit the earth. The weak will be strong. Laughter and lament appear to us that very same way. So talk to us about what brought you to writing this. Well, it's, Colleen, it started uh, when I was at the Cove. Uh, uh, two or three years ago, I go up there two or three times a year and I was teaching and they wanted to advertise the next seminar. Uh, and I don't know what I'm going to say the next week. And so <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind was the laughter of the redeemed. Mm. And, and, uh, so they advertised it. And a lot of the people there said, What's that going to be about? And I said, we're going to get together and tell each other our best jokes, and we're just going to laugh. And they said, sure. Well, I'd said I was going to do it, so I started working on it. But as you know, you go through Scripture, the Psalms of Lament, uh, Lamentations, and a lot of other places. Uh, you begin to see there's a lot of sadness and pain and pain pathos in scripture. And so then I began to pursue that along with the laughter. There's a lot about laughter and joy in scripture. And they go together, but most of us don't think so. So I spent months doing research and trying to understand what's going on here and ended up teaching a seminar at the uh, at the Cove. Mm -hmm called Laughter and Lament. And out of that seminar, I wrote this book because I'd already done the research. And I found 
Colleen, I've found that um, this is existentially very profound in my own life. It's enabled me to see some things, to kiss some demons, to go some places that I haven't gone. I've never, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, but I've never uh, gone to a Christian funeral I have never, and and by the way, people are always saying to me, Steve, I'm going to show you the real world. And sometimes I say, you don't know nothing. I see more of the real world in a day than you'll see in a lot. I've buried more babies and cleaned up after more suicides and stood beside more deathbeds and listened to more confessions than you can imagine. And And in every tragedy... In every dark place, including funerals and death, there's laughter. And that's always a surprise. And so I decided in this book and in that seminar to find out where that's coming from. And uh, then I wrote this book, one of the great books of Christendom. And if you believe that, you'll believe anything. But it's not (laughs) half bad. And it's biblical. It is biblical. It is so grounded. And in this day and age, we long for authenticity. We long for someone who will speak truth in a way that isn't a doom and gloom or um, harsh, but is encouraging. I love what you said about the Bible is a crazy book. Talk to me about that. Well, it is, and I'm a Bible teacher, and I've been doing this uh, before you were born, young lady. (laughs) And uh, the Bible is crazy. Sometimes things don't seem to make sense. It's God, an infinite God, speaking to finite people. And Calvin said it was God's baby talk. And then Paul talks about the foolishness of God in 1 Corinthians But it's a crazy book, mainly because it's counterintuitive to what we hear from the world. And we get a lot of lies from a lot of places. And we need to go to the one place where there's pure, unvarnished truth, simplified, as it were, but the truth about the truth, or what my late friend Francis Schaeffer called through truth. And that is certainly as we begin to pursue these subjects of laughter and lament. Uh, Colleen, the the book has some dark places in it. Uh, one of the chapter is, uh, uh, and then you die. Uh, and then you get angry. And then uh, you uh, walk into the dark, but there's the joy because that's the place where Jesus meets his people. And uh, Larry Crabb used to say that when we run from the dark and painful places, when we ought to run to them because it's there and probe the darkness until nothing will fix it except Jesus and then Jesus comes. And that's my experience. And that's not just my experience. It's the experience of believers everywhere. 
We don't laugh because it's inappropriate. <laughs> we don't cry because men don't cry. So we end up playing this game and missing uh, the dance with God to which he has called us. I love that you talk about God and emotions. Uh, you said we don't run to the dark when we should. So many in the community that we minister to are in very dark places, not feeling heard by God, don't know how to express emotions because they think God will hate me, God will reject me. How do we run into the dark and sit there, like you just exp explained, with anticipatory hope? I think that the people who are there, and I'm there sometimes, and I've been there a lot. You know, I'm old. I've been doing this for a very long time. No, you're not old, Steve. Uh, but, but, I, but let me tell you something. I'm a man of prayer. Mm. And I even hate the pious way that sounds when I say it. But it's the, become a person of prayer. There where, that's where it begins. And it begins with honesty. Yeah. I'm going to quote from a movie, The Network. And I wouldn't say it this way. I'm ordained and I don't talk this way. But that was a great movie. It had a guy who lost his mind and went insane on the air, a news guy. And uh, they started to take him off, but they noticed the ratings were going up. Yep. And so they kept him on. You got this crazy guy doing national television news. And at one point in the movie, he has people... Uh, all over the country, and the camera goes to apartments and streets and cities and all over the country, and he has them go stand or shout from their windows, I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. That would be a good opening way to pray. Mm -hmm. And you say, Steve, are you crazy? You can't do that with God. Oh, yes, you can. If you feel that way, mm -hmm. do you think he'll be surprised or doesn't know what you really feel? The places where I'm the most angry is before God. Absolutely. Because that's the one place I can be honest. I'm when when I pray, I sometimes grade God and tell him, you know, if you really love me, this wouldn't happen. Or if, if you really love these people who are going through an awful time, you wouldn't. This is no way to treat your kids. And I sense in that time a joy and a peace that, that he says, you through? And I say, yes. Maybe. And, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll have something else to say. But it's just that authenticity. Yeah. You know, if you're not going to be authentic with pagans, I get that. If you're not going to be authentic with Christians, I get that. That's not a safe place sometimes. But the one place you can be totally honest about who you are, about what you really feel, is in prayer. And that's real prayer, not the prayers that are religious that we mostly pray. Mm -hmm. Tell God how you feel. Tell him how angry and hurt you are. Mm. Tell him about your tears and then see what happens. You'll be quite surprised. And so that's the first step. 
to walk into the presence, and we've been given that privilege of the God of the universe, and as it were, taking off your clothes and being who you are in his presence, because he knows who you are anyway. He already knows our thoughts. I love oh, that you yes. said prayer <laughs> Prayer is the only place I can swear and not get fired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. And yet that's yeah. the authentic truth. I think another section of the book where you talked about the three ugly stepsisters of guilt, shame, and especially dread. Um, shame. We are cloaked in shame right now and in this world. Can you speak into that for us? You know, Coley, it does. And you're right. I'm the adult child of an alcoholic. Mm. And uh, um, I I love my father. Uh, My father became a Christian three months before he died. And the reason he hadn't become a Christian is because he didn't think he was good enough. So we miss the main thing about the Christian faith. But a doctor told him, Mr. Brown, you have three months to live and we're going to pray. And then I'm going to tell you something more important than what I just told you. And he led my father to Christ. And my father loved me so deeply and so profoundly that it blew me away. And um, you would be surprised how much the love of a father will make a difference in shame uh, to know that you're acceptable, that you're valued, that your picture's on the refrigerator, that he thought I was, he couldn't have a party if I wasn't there, even when he was drunk. And if that, Jesus said, if your father on earth knows how to do that, how much more your father in heaven And so the way we deal with shame or we begin to deal with shame and guilt is to set aside what they've told us about God, to run to him and to do biblically what we're supposed to do. And that is to be authentic and honest and to find that we are accepted. I have so many questions I want to I want to dive into that with you because the fact that your father was an alcoholic and yet loved you, did you know that he loved you as you were growing up? Did that evolve? How was that relationship? No, it was always true. Really? Uh, He was so proud. My brother was a, a district attorney and I was the preacher and he would tell his friends, I have two sons, one's a lawyer and one's a preacher and there's nothing no problem I can have that one of them can't get me out of it. <laughs> but he, he he showed our pictures to anybody who would look. Wow. He, uh, at his funeral, they lined up outside the home and just kept coming. And every other person said to my brother and I, do you know how much your father loved you? I mean, that's a good thing. That it was a gift that I didn't even know what a gift it was. Yeah. And it's through that prism that I saw the real God, the God who's not angry at me. Um, Colleen Michael Kelly Blanchard is a friend of mine. 
he wrote the he wrote the song "Be Ye Glad Every Debt You've Ever Had," but he has a wonderful song about a girl who was a party girl, and her parents were in an automobile accident. Her mother was killed. Her father, through his guilt, took it out on her, kicked her out of the house, and she went to live at her grandmother's house. And she worked in, this is a true story, she worked in a local factory, and there was a man there with a big black Bible, and he told her that she was going to hell and that God was going to judge her, and she knew she deserved it. She'd had an abortion. She'd been a party girl. She slept with people. But the chorus of the song is absolutely amazing. There is a, the room she stays in, and her grandmother's has a picture, and it's a picture of Jesus. And the chorus says, there's a picture of Jesus hanging on the wall, and it's been there since I was very small. And he looks like he just seen a little girl fall. And he don't look angry at all. He don't look angry at all. That's the real God of the universe. And we've covered it up with so much stuff uh, in our effort to have convictions we need to tell people, run to him. The prodigal son is not included in the scripture just for the fun of it. The tax collector who goes to the temple and prays, God have mercy on me, a sinner, and is justified, is not just God um, talking because he likes to hear himself talk. He's telling us stuff about who he is. And once you get that, it becomes the key to dealing with shame. We don't have to deny it. Uh, we can be authentic. We're loved. In fact, the hardest thing for me is not being arrogant. <laughs> Colleen, I don't know if you noticed, but I have a wonderful voice. Yeah, it's fantastic. It really is. <laughs> it is great. And God put it in this body. And I, he thought it was funny, and I didn't think it was funny at all. Um, uh, but and so I'm not I'm not arrogant because I'm handsome, or smart, <laughs> or sophisticated, or know so much. I'm arrogant because the God of the universe chose me before I was born, loves me with a passion. He can't have a party without me being there. He is so pleased with me that, you know, I wish I'd been there with a prodigal son when they had the party and the band took the break. And I would say to him, son, would you mind if I made a few comments? And he would say, no, sir. And I would say, your daddy loves you, doesn't he? And he would say, oh, man, you don't know. And I would say, let me tell you something. You're going to go back to the pig farm. And he would get angry and say, that'll never happen. And I'd say, I know now, uh, you, but you're going to have to go out in the field and work, and it's going to be hard. And sometimes you won't stay as long, but sometimes you'll go back to the pig farm. And I want you to remember what this old guy says to you when you're there. Remember the taste of the wine. 
and the sound of the music. And that's the key. Steve, there are so many uh, that I connect with who have children or loved ones that are disabled. Um, they are rejected in this world. They are the least of these in this world. My, all three of my children have felt the effects of rejection from um, a primary person in their lives. Oh. And it's hard to hear you say, God loves us when the message that we get often is your child isn't lovable or acceptable. Can you speak into the heart of that mom or that dad who is holding that child's hand and the world just looks away? Oh, man, that breaks my heart. And I've been there, too. I know, you know, I've had those struggles, every one of them. If, if this were a safe place where we're on right now, we would be more specific, but we can't be. But I get it. I understand. And it's what the Bible talks about when it talks about living in a fallen world. You read the opening chapters of Romans, and you begin to see this is a lot worse than we thought it was. Yes. And we're a lot worse, and we're in more trouble than we thought we were. And the rejection and the pain and the shame and the guilt and the fear, oh, man, it just breaks my heart. And if it breaks my heart, think what that does with God. And so, Colleen, you people like us have to learn to say it. We can't just say God loves you. You know, people say, well, I know that. I mean, that's his job description. We got to be specific with dirt under the fingernails. And, you know, you know something that's true, but controversial and quite biblical. Our sin, our shame, our guilt, our regret are the best gift that God gives if we know it. And our obedience and our faithfulness is our most dangerous place when we know that. And once you get what I just said and you begin to apply it, it makes all the difference in the world. And it gives us a freedom to speak the truth of Scripture in a way that can be heard. Mm -hmm. um, you have a, a family member who's been doing that his whole ministry. Yes. And... Uh, you, you just got to break out of the religious boxes. I can't stand them, honestly. It's sometimes oh. church is the hardest place for me to go. I know. And Listen, I, I get that. <laughs> I think I'm talking <laughs> with a soulmate on that. Um, the mo I became more authentic not being in church when I couldn't go to church because of the challenges that we were facing. I get it. And many that I hear from have had church rejection. They don't want to go back. We need authenticity, but we must first embody that before we can offer that. So true. Oh, that's so good and so true. And by the way, I love the church, and I don't know why, 
You know what Augustine said about the church? She's a whore, but she's my mother. And she belongs to Jesus. And so I'm suggesting that those of us who've been hurt by the church, who couldn't go, and I've been there, you know, Colleen, I wake up in the morning, and if it's raining and I'm depressed and suicidal, I think, you know, this could be worse. I could still be a pastor. <laughs> and I, I know what that is, but I think we have got to speak truth. And the people in the church need to hear our voices, and they need to hear our voices clearly. We need to say often, that's nonsense. It's drivel. Quit saying that. I have a friend who's the weirdest friend that I've got who walked out of his church last Sunday, made an obscene gesture, and said out loud to the congregation, that's all a lie. Don't believe this stuff. And I told him, that's inappropriate. You can't do that. <laughs> and he said, but I did. Well, I said, you're not, they're not going to let you back in. And he said, I don't want to go anyway. Uh, but we, we, they, the church needs, Colleen, the church needs your voice. So, so, prof they, so much. Visit us at reframingministries.com for all of Colleen's interviews, articles, recommended resources, and more. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe and receive our free five-day video devotional series where Colleen provides pointers for navigating daily life and struggles. We all need voices that are speaking the truth, that say God does understand our emotions. He does embrace us when we are mad as hell, as you just said. Yep. He doesn't run from us when we are screaming. And there's Oops. also a healthy necessary respect for his lordship over our lives and the call to surrender to him. Those are very hard things to put together just as laughter yeah, are. and lament. I know. I know. I, it's, it, I, I get that. I've been doing that all my life, trying to say it in a different way or shock people because sometimes they won't listen unless you shock them. Yeah. But you're you're right. You're so right. We just got to tell the world, listen, love in response to goodness and obedience and niceness isn't love, it's reward. The only way you can know that you're loved is not to deserve it. And if you find that you're shamed and you don't deserve it, if you've done bad things, now you're in a place to experience God's love. Absolutely, absolutely. I love your um, chapter on firewalls because of con control, of course, is another thing that keeps us from being authentic. Oh. <laughs> Talk to us about some of those firewalls that we throw up there that keep us distant from one another. Well, they, they're the masks we wear, of course, and some of them are appropriate. I mean... We just met each other, and we like each other. We've settled that at the beginning. But we both still wear masks, and that keeps us away. Mm. And I suspect we were talking about Anne Lamont, who both of us like. 
And um, Anne is the, is the genuine thing. You wince at her language and her politics, <laughs> but she's the real deal. She says it real. And, and we both like her a lot yeah. because she takes off her mask. She is who she is. And and we need to do that. We we lie to each other. We pretend. All of those things keep us from one another. I think in the book I talked about a, a book written by, and I don't even know if he's a Christian or if he's still alive. His name is Gerard, the transparent self, and he says that we trade pieces of soul with each other. That I give you a little bit of my soul. And if you don't stomp it into the ground uh, and you give me some of your soul and I don't stomp it into the ground, then we can risk a little more. And it's a process. And pretty soon we're open and we found a place to invite others to be a part too. Mm. So, um, but talk about control, man. Your viewers and listeners don't know this, but Colleen and I know nothing about technology, and the people around us who do uh, have been trying to fix this so we could do this interview. And Colleen and I were crazy. I mean, we want to <laughs> strangle somebody because we both want to control this situation, exactly. and we couldn't control a thing. And Colleen, that was a gift from God. Every time we can't control something and God comes, we begin to see that we don't have to. That's terrifying at times. Oh, oh. I, oh, I, we, the president of Key Life Network, which is the ministry here, uh, his wife, Ruth, was, I married them, I officiated at the wedding a hundred years ago. But their first child died, Matthew. And uh, and it went through, an, I mean, it was an awful time. It was just awful. They All the television cameras were there because they were doing this new procedure and it failed and he died. And we, we've bonded because of the pain that we went through there and a thousand other places. But Ruth said to me something that was really good. She said, Steve, you know the hardest thing about Matthew's death? It's trying to trust a God who doesn't feel trustworthy to me. That's honest. You know, God is scary. I mean, if I trust him, he may give me cancer. If I trust him, well, what's your alternative? <laughs> That's what C.S. Lewis said. He said, either way, we're stuck. <laughs> so we have a good physician who's going to keep cutting until we're well. And when we're well, going back to this book, because Colleen, after all, I'm trying to sell books here. <laughs> <laughs> going back to the book, uh, that's where joy is. All of a sudden, I can laugh and dance because I'm not in control. I don't have to pretend. I don't have to do anything. Jesus likes me a lot, 10% more than he likes you. Uh, 
And if you can't say exactly the same thing, you don't get it. And uh, that's where the joy comes from. And I've cussed and spit and kicked against the goads before my father, and he has continued to like me. And that's where the joy comes from. So let's do uh, this. What? I'm mm. sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I have a lot of lines. A lot of these lines are laugh lines. Isn't that? You have none. And oh. you're quite irritating. Yes. I just want you to know that. <laughs> That's okay. I'm, I've been told I'm ornery before. <laughs> I want to know, Steve, uh, when did you run into yourself and truly lament? In fact, for our listeners, lament may be a foreign word. So let's talk about lament. And then also, when did that pierce you? Where this hit... Um, I have some hearing problems. I lost my hearing shooting a gun with my pastor. So if I don't if I don't answer the question you ask, it's because <laughs> I didn't hear it. You're talking about the my existential. How did this come about? Yes, when you when when l the season of lament hit oh, you. Oh, I got you. Well, there there I could name a number of places. This is an ongoing thing, by the way. That's why we need to have a part of our church service that's reserved for tears. And we don't do that. And I'm not throwing rocks. I love my church, but I wish they'd just stop and say, Okay, now's the time to cry. And if you want to tell us where it hurts, tell us and we'll we'll taste the salt of your tears. But back to the question, um, I, I came this close to a nervous breakdown. Um, I was a pastor. Um, I was traveling 160 days a year, writing a book a year, uh, doing five broadcasts, um, trying to be a good father, a, a good pastor, and I couldn't do it anymore. I just couldn't. And it was midnight. And I started to weep. Nobody saw this. Colleen, if you have a good voice like mine, uh, people think you're together. And when you're not, you can fake it. So nobody knew I fell apart. And I said, Jesus, I'd rather die than do this anymore. And he let me out of it. Uh, uh, he came and said, you don't have to do this anymore. And I went through a year of some very great pain, uh, looking at m my own life, of the issues of my past, the sins I had committed, the fears and the paranoia. I, I'm, I mean, that was a hard year, uh, but it changed my life. And we did a seminar called Born Free, all over the country, that I've had 25 people. Mo half of them were psychologists, and half of them were Bible teachers. And we met in Atlanta and spent four days going ever over every word of that seminar so I would be biblical and say it right. Mm -hmm. And it that came out of the soil of my own pathos and my own pain and my own loss. But it goes on. You know, I'm old as dirt. 
<laughs> and the reason I can say that, listen, Colleen, you want to know the truth? Ask an old guy. He doesn't care. I don't give a rip what people think about me anymore. And so I'm going to tell you the truth. Yep. And everything I've said on this podcast is true because <laughs> I'm an old guy and I won't lie to you. There's something about age and there's something about pain that is a shredder. And it shreds those false selves faster than I, I think anything else. And that's why we have to step into our pain. Yeah, so that's so good. I hate, Colleen, I you hate get being it. shredded. And so, you know, when we started this, we didn't have to do any background stuff because you get it. Yeah. So few people really, and I know you paid a price for it, but you understand. And I feel joy just in your presence. Oh, wow. Because it's a rare thing. Yeah, it is. In fact, I was thinking about becoming a Buddhist this morning, and then you came <laughs> along. <laughs> well, I wiped away that one, put the yeah, in, right. Put away the incense. <laughs> um, you talk about the curse of loneliness, and I know that uh, there are a lot. We are a lonely generation. Even yeah. though we are surrounded by noise and busyness, yep. we are very lonely. And that was so pre present during uh, the COVID pandemic when all of the outlets were shut down. People's resources yeah. and distractions were shut down. You talk about loneliness being very real in your own life. How, did, how do you walk through that well, if there is a uh, well to it? Well, you, you know... God has, and I don't know if I said this in the book, but God has set up uh, a place where we don't need to be that way. Uh, he has created such need in you and such need in me that if we don't get together, we're going to die. Mm -hmm. And the problem in our culture and social media is a cesspool the suicide rate is going through the roof because the thing that God arranged for us, we're not taking advantage of. Mm. Colleen, as long as you're in the world and as I'm in the world, we don't have to be lonely. This interview has been incredibly honest. Um, and I feel less lonely because, and if I, I'm not on Facebook, I can't. And it's, I don't it's do technology, Steve. I, no, oh man. <laughs> People think that's going to fix it. It doesn't. No. The only way God fixes God's people is with God's people. And God has fixed a way for God's people. Say to yourself, uh, I, I have a friend, he's dead now, He's, but he was a bachelor all of his life, mean as a snake, and a pastor, and a, maybe the best communicator I ever heard. He came back from Africa one time, looked out from his apartment on the city where he served, and it was just incredibly lonely. So he had a list of pastors in his town, and he called them one after another, can you meet with me? And they would say, well, let me get my calendar out. Finally, the last one on his on his list, he said to this pastor, the pastor said, well, I can't right now, uh, but 
let me get my, he said, I'm not going to let you do that. I've got to talk now. And so they met at a restaurant. And uh, my friend said, I am so lonely, I'm suicidal. Mm. And the other pastor said to my friend, the reason I didn't want to meet with you is that last night I came home and found my wife in the arms of another man. And, and my friends said they sat in the restaurant holding hands and crying. And uh, God came in an incredible way. He does. And he's arranged for us. And I hate it. I, You know, the church, people are always saying, let me tell you what the church did to me. And I want to say, you don't know nothing. You have no idea. I, you, you just have... Don't tell me your little stories. I'll tell you my big ones. But nevertheless, um, the church is the place where this can be fixed. And the most important thing you can do with your life is to find a church and stand with it, no matter how messed up it is, and speak truth, your truth. When you're dying, tell them. When you're going to jump off a bridge, tell them. When you want to tell a joke because somebody needs to laugh, tell the joke, and you'll be surprised at how often the people in the church that you thought were just wits will say to you, you too, you too, and something happens that's supernatural, and it's called church. And a lot of those in our community, those those who struggle with caregiving and the incessant demands of being in a sandwich generation of caring for parents, caring for children, it's hard to get out. It's yeah. it's hard. And so we've oh. set up a monthly Zoom call that yeah. that people can join because if that's the only way we can connect, we have to connect. I know. And it's hard, but it's doable. You just say, you just say quid inferorum. That's Latin, and I'll tell you when we're off the air what it means. But it's cussing in Latin. And I'm, I don't want to do this. I don't like these people. I, I'm scared. I'm not, I, they, they will reject me, but I'm going to do it. By God's grace, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be like Steve, and I'm just not going to give a rip. I'm going to do it. And you, I promise, you'll be surprised. at the re- Some will reject you. Some are twits. But the great majority of God's people will say to you, I can't believe you said that. That's me. Me too. Me too. Yeah, I yeah. get that. Um, Steve, your book, Laughter and Lament, Combine those in a nutshell for us. Uh, Authenticity. I hate that word, but I can't think of a better one. But being free to laugh at a funeral. You ever gotten the giggles at a funeral the way Mary Tyler Moore did? Yes, I get to laugh. I laugh at some (laughs) wrong times. (laughs) And you can't stop. That's okay. Have you ever wanted to cry, but you put on the best face? Go ahead and weep. Yeah. Uh, and 
see what God does. That's when finally we get to the place of true freedom. One story, and I'm finished. A guy in India was going across India on a train, and he had everything he owned in his suitcase, and he put it above him, and he knew there were thieves on the train. And he said, I've got to stay awake all night or somebody's going to steal everything that I own. And he did, except one time at 3 o'clock in the morning, he drifted off for about 40 seconds, and when he opened his eyes, his suitcase was gone. And this is what he said, thank God I can finally go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the truth? Yeah, that's it. We don't have anything to pretend. We don't have anything to protect. We've already told the world we're messed up. That's what it means to be a Christian, not to be good, but to know you're not. And to sometimes, though sometimes not, to get better. But once you realize that, you're free to weep and to laugh, and it's a wonderful freedom. And Colleen, you and I have done both on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I almost had to wipe my eyes because there were some things that you said that just break my heart. And yet it breaks my heart that the church um, has hurt others. And yet I'm not against the church. I just long for it to embrace the grace that you talk about, the radical grace, the radical freedom through your ministry, key ministry. I want to come to a close with the book, with the gentleman that you dedicated the book to. He has a prayer that you put in here. It says, Father, teach me to be as secure in my relationship with you as my daughter is with me. Help me not to be so concerned with getting from point A to point B or C or D or E all the time. Most of life is in the journeying, not the arriving. Give me the peace that surpasses all understanding when the turbulence comes. Allow me to be more content with the arrangements and the circumstances you have ordained in my life right now and not be so consumed with the next connection or meeting or sermon or appointment or paycheck or whatever it is. I think that's what my Savior meant when he said, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. And finally, Father of your tender mercies and limitless grace, grant that I may be as delighted to be in your presence as a child is with, with his or her father until the day that I arrive home and rub the sleep from my eyes. Mm. Steve, thank you for your authenticity. Oh, Colleen, you're a benediction, by the way. I can do this a little bit longer. <laughs> I could too. And to those who have been watching, I just really encourage you to check out Steve's work, the ministry that you have Tell us about that for a second. It's a media ministry. It used to be centered around me, but we have a number of voices of Key Life, young guys and gals that are very gifted. We publish books. We, in partnership with New Growth Press, who published this one, we do a a weekly talk show. It's great, Uh, by the way. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It is. And we it's kind of like what you do. And we do um we do a teaching broadcast and think spots on a 
thousand contemporary music stations and we do seminars and and then we're tired (laughs) that's what we do and you can check it out at keylife.org that's great well your final word to those who've listened so long and so faithfully would be what from a friend of mine cheer up you're a lot worse than you think you are but cheer up God's grace is a lot bigger than you think it is. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We hope you'll join us again for future discussions with Colleen and World Influencers. The Reframing Ministries podcast is a production of Insight for Living Ministries.